going on, buddy? How you doing today? Matt, we're back and I'm happy about it. What's going on with you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A few days tardy for the pod, but that's only because it's been a really busy week for the Dynasty Drama brand. Put a lot of efforts into getting into a few pretty cool leagues under, you know, using the Dynasty Drama kind of branding for our entries into those leagues versus as individuals. The week started off with us getting whitelisted for the BDGE Bash. You want to tell us a little bit about that one? The Big Dog Bash, man? Big Dog Bash, man. We're both in there. Actually, we actually got another guy from our league to join, too. Shout out Stay Puffed. But, yeah, Stay Puffed's uh, getting in there. It's crazy. I, the, the, the BDGE tournament's pretty cool because it's, it's not your traditional fantasy football tournament. You got to use cryptocurrency to get in. So it's a process to just try to get that stuff into your wallet. Hopefully, we have success by the uh, launch date, but we should be good. Yeah, so you're getting your crypto. That's going to buy you an NFT pass the nft is going to get you entry into the next three big dog bashes uh tournaments rather uh for 2022 2023 and 2024 there's 1200 people playing that's 100 leagues of 12 people if you win your league you're into the bash part of the big dog bash and obviously there's there's big prizes and bragging rights and uh, there's an old Discord channel with some pretty cool people in it, you know. Just uh, half of the fun is the friends you make along the way, Turtle, right? But we probably likely, you know, me, you, and uh, Stay Puff, we're not going to get dropped into the same league. So if one of us comes away with entrance into the Big Dog Bash, I got to call it a dub. But it's going to be hell of a fun journey. So we'll have to see what it is. It's redraft style, so it's a yeah. little bit off brand, but uh, redraft mentality will be loading as we get closer to the season. Yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of cool because we really do have to put on our redraft hats here relatively soon because we also got a golden ticket to the Scott Fishbowl, which we were not expecting. I I wasn't expecting. I was being relentless with it. We were being relentless with it. And finally, just out of dumb luck, I joined one of their 100-yard rushes, which is just a little made-up game internet website. And my name ended up being first and we got in and I'm, I'm happy about it because now Dynasty Drama is repping and me and Matt are going to go into this draft, you know, trying to win. We're not trying to be schlumps. We're trying exactly. to win Exactly. So our first ever entrance for either of us into the, into the Scott Fish Bowl, the 12th anniversary edition, we're going in as the, the Dynasty Drama podcast. Our draft starts tomorrow. We're in the 104 hole. So again, redraft mindset kind of loading for that, but that one's always like Scott Fishbowl. It's a little bit different because you got to understand the scoring settings are so unique. It's really not going to be similar to if we're in the 104 spot uh, at the BDGE Bash or if you were just in your normal keeper league or redraft league with your friends. Strategy is going to be very different. Turtle, you and I, we're locked and loaded in our minds that we have to get a stud QB right off the bat because we draft 104 and then we're not going to be on the clock again to 209. And then there's a reversal. So we're really not again on the clock until 309. So if we don't get our stud early, man, we're going to be pretty high and dry. So 
We know that much. It's a slow draft, so we're going to see how it plays out over the few days. But the draft starts when? Tomorrow at some point? Yeah, it starts tomorrow morning. The The crazy thing about it is I was uh, I connected with one of the guys who's also in our specific division today, and he has the 102, and he just posted a mock of him taking Josh Allen. So we were getting our hopes set on possibly Josh Allen falling, but the more that we look at some of these Scott Fishbowl mocks, Josh Allen's not going to be there. Like, we might get lucky and get Herbert falling to us or Mahomes, but I don't think Allen's going to be uh, on our squad unless something very drastic happens. I tell you what, it, if Devontae was still back in Green Bay and Tyreek was still back in KC, it would get a whole lot easier because you add Mahomes and you add Rodgers to Allen and Herbert, and you know you're getting at least one of those guys. Because yeah, you're right. The, the QB scoring is six points for touchdowns. It's also minus four points for interceptions, and it's minus points if you are under the 66% completion percentage and you get positive points if you're above the 66% completion percentage. So basically you want guys who throw touchdowns, have low turnover rates, and are highly efficient with their passes. And there's only a few guys like that in the league. There's plenty of guys who chuck a lot of TDs, but if you have a 30-30 season like Jameis Winston did, yeah, you might be tearing it up in standard scoring where interceptions are minus two or minus one, and there's no deduction for a low completion percentage. In Scott Fishbowl, you might not run out a guy like Jameis Winston as a flex because mm-hmm. of his inefficiency. So, man, it's, uh, it's a bit stressful. Luckily, the slow draft for the first few rounds will give us about, I don't know, eight hours or so every time we're on the clock to really you know, run the scenarios on the available players and make the best decision for the uh, the squad here, the Dynasty Drama squad. Yeah, we're going to have a good squad. I, I, I like the 104. The third round reversal scares me, but we'll still get our two studs right off the bat. We'll get our one, we'll get our one quarterback and then either high-end, high-end running back or high-end wide receiver. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, if you were at the back of the first round, the 111 and 112, you're getting the your first round pick, a early second round pick, and then boom, you get an early third round pick again, uh, because of the reversal. But you know, we will endeavor to uh, to still represent. We'll just have to see how we do in our inaugural. I think if we finish in the top half of our division, we should be pretty proud of that. Yeah, agreed. I think we can win it all. To be honest with you, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, yeah I mean, why not? You got to shoot for the stars. Why not us? Why not us? Why not us? All right. So let's get into, you know, normally scheduled program, guys. We cook through a division. We'd stock up, stock down for the four teams in that division. Today happens to be the NFC North. This is Dynasty Mindset by and large. So reload the Dynasty Mindset and we'll, we'll, we'll go back, turtle, to our redraft mindset tomorrow as we pick up on some of these uh, drafts. But... Switching gears, moving over to how we think about our dynasty leagues. Stock up, stock down, NFC North. What team would you like to start with? Let's start with the Packers. Okay. All right. I I like this start. Who do you got for your stock up? My stock up, honestly, is it's AJ Dillon. Oh, okay. All right. I I was thinking I was thinking we're if we came out three for three again, uh, that'd be crazy. Same people. What the heck's going on? We're going to differ a little bit here, but go ahead. Let's let's hear about AJ. Yeah, I'll dish out some quick hitters. I mean, you know, AJ Dillon, I really think this could be his breakout season. 
Green Bay doesn't really have too many established pass catchers, so I think that their whole approach is going to change into a run-heavy team, an even more run-heavy team. We know what Aaron Jones can do, can do out of the backfield. He's going to be due for a ton of targets this year, but that leaves A.J. Dillon. And the good thing about A.J. Dillon is what we saw last year is that he is an absolute powerhouse of a running back. He has the elite speed and athleticism to break runs. And then the other positive thing about him is that he actually does have some pass catching upside. So it's really good to see that this young potential workhorse back is going to be more involved in that offense. And I think that Aaron Jones will take a more of a backseat approach to the actual running through the tackles. I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibilities that AJ Dillon can see double digit touchdowns this year. With that being said, I think that Dillon outscores his ADP by a landslide. And I think he's a guy that you would want to target in either trades or in a startup because he's going to be a solid guy to have on your roster. High upside. He, he presents high upside then. Very high upside. I like that. And I, I like AJ Dillon. I don't have any shares of him, but is he a guy that I'm seeking out? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how the Green Bay offense is going to look, but I do think he has a lot of opportunity in front of him. And I think there's probably a chance that if there's an injury in front of him, man, he's going to have a whole lot of work all to himself. So that's always a bonus if you're fielding the RB2 who's already seeing some of the field. To yeah. know that if there's something in front of him that he's getting everything, that's great to know. Yeah, I mean, I just think that he's a really good athlete and you know he, he can do some damage especially on that goal line. But if they start working him in some of the passing down situations, he's going to be a good player this year. I like him. All right. So my guy on the Packers is uh, Aaron Jones. This week I pulled ADP data according to Fantasy Pros on, it was a July, I'm sorry. uh, Yeah, July 8th. Pull, uh, again, this is their one QB dynasty startup. So inflate a little bit for non-QBs. However. Aaron Jones was the number 44 overall pick off the board in Dynasty Startups. That comes in good for the RB20. So while I think 44, it's a a little bit high, but for an RB20, I don't think there's any chance that Aaron Jones finishes below the RB20 this year. I mean, let me ask you a question, Turtle. Could Aaron Jones be the actual wide receiver one on the Packers right now? I mean, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. How, how, many, how, how many receptions are you projecting? I mean, with Aaron Jones, I, I don't think, I think he could have an Eckler-like season. Now, Eckler I, I don't disagree last year was inflated like crazy because he had this otherworldly 20-touchdown campaign. But when you, get, when you talk Eckler, you're like, oh yeah, that could be 100 targets, that could be whatever, and you won't like blink. Like I think it could be... CMC prime type workload if he stays healthy where he's getting a lot of pass game work because I look around and there's not much else. Now, at the end of the season, if we're being realistic, there's likely some actual depth chart wide receivers, guys who are listed on the team roster as wide receivers who have topped him in terms of total target share. But I wouldn't be shocked, guys, if Aaron Jones finishes with a 15-plus target share, uh, good enough for third or possibly even second overall on the team in terms of target share. And 
that's mostly due to a Packers roster that is pretty bereft of pass-catching talent. I mean, when you look around and we're talking the people that they've lost, Devontae Adams, Belda Scantling, at lesser extent, Equinemius St. Brown, uh, Tanyan might not be there at the start or limited because of the ACL, the knee. They've brought in Sammy Watkins. He's not even assured to make the team. They drafted a second-round wide receiver who looks raw. Aaron Rodgers notoriously not, you know, really big on on rookie wide receivers. Don't know that it's a difference. And, and Alan Lazard kind of possibly projecting as the wide receiver one. You know, you got Cobb who is nearing the end of the line. I mean, there's there's some guys, you know, Torre who they drafted. There's Amari Rogers left over from last year who we didn't see much from. I mean, you look around, it's I don't think it's crazy to say Aaron Jones might have the second highest target share on this team at the end of the year. Now, having that from an Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to you and getting that out of the running back position, to me, that's much better than the RB20, which he's going at right now. So, I mean, he's, we, know, we know this already. He's skillful and he's elusive on the ground. Any work that we, to your point, Turtle might project to be lost to Dylan on the ground this year, I think will be easily made up for through the air because mm-hmm. of the lack of pass catching. If folks haven't read studies on vacated targets and target share when wide receivers leave teams, I'll remind them that those studies often point to most of those targets going to the running back position on the team as they reallocate as opposed to the wide receiver position. So all that data kind of points to me as Aaron Jones being really, really good this year, and it's going to come down to health. It's, he's almost like Dalvin Cook territory, Turdy, where you've got to kind of count on him missing a few games. And you're just, if you're the Aaron Jones owner during that time, you're crossing your fingers a little bit that your guy, A.J. Dillon, doesn't come in, blow up to an extent where it's just like, wow, when he comes back, it's like, well, you're back, but I just stole your job. So there's maybe that little bit of risk, but I'm telling you, if health remains, I think he is going to be Eckler-esque in terms of his workload and responsibilities this year for the Green Bay Packers. I don't hate that at all. I think it's a great call. I actually originally had him as my uh, top riser for the Packers, but then I started thinking about it more, and I was just thinking, like, yeah, he's not going to get too many carries through the tackles, but he's going to get all the pass-catching pass work. So why not just plug A.J. Dillon in there and just see what he does because he's still so young. You know, Aaron Jones, I think he just turned 28. So it's tough, especially in a fantasy perspective, from a fantasy perspective. It's like you can get that one really, really good last year out of him. But then what do you do at the end of the season? Are people still going to be willing to buy him? Or is he kind of just going to be a guy that dies and retires on your squad? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good point. That's a good point for Dynasty. You need to consider long term. But. It's kind of like a savvy NBA player kind of finessing their game, you know, becoming more of an outside shooter when they lose that little bit of burst that gets them to the rim. If they can, Mm -hmm. they'll stick around in the league. If they change the game up a little bit, same could be said of Jones, you know, sticking around as a pass catcher, getting some utility, but maybe this is his last and best season. Contenders might want to keep an eye on it if they're willing to let a guy die on their squad. Yep. I love that. I think that's great. Great, great analysis there, Matt. Thank you, sir. So, stock down. I mean, we know. We probably could say it in tandem. All right. One, One two, two, three. three. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. That was impressive, dude. And not even at 
all scripted. Holy smokes. Nope. He goes off the board as the QB 13 in Dynasty Startups. I, right off the bat, when I look at that stat, I'm like, damn, if I am starting up a Dynasty and I'm playing Superflex and I need to spend a, a draft him at the QB 13 position, which is the end of round two, maybe beginning of round three. I'm not spending that on a, what, 37-plus-year-old quarterback? Not in Dynasty, man. I can't do it. So no. he, even though he might be around for three more seasons, it's like with my QB position, I want to project out five, and it's just too rich for my blood to to not get him in, in a later round. Uh, so so I'll come back to my analysis, but why don't you kick us off? That, that just, ADP just really stuck out to me. No, I, I agree, but I, I don't have too much of a of an analysis. All I could say is that it's really tough to say that Aaron Rodgers' stock is all the way down. But then you do look at the landscape, and you're you're sitting there. You're like, "Holy crap! Who is this guy going to throw the ball to? Do I trust any of these wide receivers to actually step up and 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 be dominant forces?" You lose Devontae Adams, which is going to be an absolute major sting for that offense. I don't think that anybody can come close to even stepping in and, and having even half of that type of production that Adams has. And, and their relationship was just so incredible that I feel like that is not going to be something that just develops overnight with one of these guys that are on the roster right now. Um, I'll, I'll say, so I think losing Adams, nothing short of devastating. Yes. It, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. And, and the good thing with Rodgers, though, at least you know that you're going to get you will get production. I think there's going to be a lot of turbulence on the way. So by the end of the season, you might look back and be like, damn, I really do wish that I sold that guy or I didn't take him in the startup. But I think Aaron Rodgers is still good enough to really, you know, make an immediate impact on his team. It's just a matter of, of if these pass catchers, these wide receivers are going to be the guys that are going to be getting the balls or if it's going to be A.J. Dillon and it's going to be Aaron Jones. That's, that's my worry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, when when I look at Rodgers, he is well. He's the back-to-back MVP. He's highly efficient. Yeah. In the 2022 season, he sported a 48 to five TD to interception ratio. In 2021, he sported a 37 touchdown to four interception ratio. Damn, I wish he still had Devontae Adams and we'd take him at the 104 in Scott Fishbowl. I mean. Frankly, Rodgers hasn't thrown double-digit picks, Turtle, since 2010 when he had a measly 11 turnovers through the air. I mean, despite all that, things are about to get significantly harder for this perennial pro bowler. He's always done this with an extremely trusty wide receiver one that he was able to hyper-target and trust and have this mind meld with, you know, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams. The list goes on. I mean... The turnovers likely won't shoot up. He'll probably still remain very efficient in his touchdown to interception ratio. But his TD prowess, it's likely to take a big step back. The, the days of 48 and even high 30s, 37 touchdowns, I don't see that happening during the 2022 season. You come out of the 2022 season, the normal offseason, Hoopla is going to surround Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to come back? What's going on? He's now a year older. He wants to do Jeopardy. To me, it's just it's too much at this stage of his career with too many offseason down arrows for me that it's a clear stock down in Dynasty. 
I mean, hate to say it because he's like I said, back to back pro, back to back MVP. Sorry, uh, you just you don't usually call those guys stock down, but I don't know what other way to to call this one. Yep, you're right. Alrighty, so why don't we kick it over to the Bears? How about the Bears? Oh, you want to go the Bears right now? Yeah, I'm gonna go stock up with Cole for it. Wow, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. Is that's it? Mine. Okay. Yeah, it's mine. All right, so ADP data. He comes off the board at the tight end 14 at the number 130 pick overall. So, you know, beyond round 10. I mean, in an offense that's short of pass catchers, you know, came at profiles as the biggest of big bodies. I mean, this guy is 6'6", 260 pounds. And to me, he stands out as a prime candidate to improve year over year simply because he's bound for massive positive TD regression. I mean, I don't like to stand on that alone, but last year he caught 60 balls on 93 targets. This guy almost touched 100 targets from Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, who did not have high-volume passing numbers because of the way Nagy was calling the games last year. Despite that, he didn't touch the painted area, and you fast-forward a year, you got Allen Robinson gone, and when you look at that depth chart, similar to how you look at the Green Bay depth chart, Komet appears as the obvious number two option in this offense behind Darnell Mooney. I, if I'm trying to go upside on a tight end, if he's the number one option in his pass game, he's not going to be an upside tight end. He's going to be very known. But if I'm trying to get capture that upside in a tight end who's lesser drafted, and I can get him as the set, the, what, what appears to be the second offensive weapon from a pass game perspective on his team count me in to throw a dart on him especially when it's not expensive so for me Cole Komet he's going to get into the painted area this year those touchdowns are going to be really great weeks as they are for every tight end and I expect him to to really really overshoot his ADP in terms of value yeah I like that I I think that this is finally going to be his breakout season I mean you already hit on these points, but look at the Bears' depth chart. I mean, it's not going to be Byron Pringle. It's not going to be uh, – I don't want to say it's not going to be Vilas Jones because I think that that guy could be good eventually. And he's also uh, – I talk about him later on in the episode. But I think Komet is by far the second-best pass-catching option on that team. I think Mooney is primed for another big season. But we saw last year the, the Bears target the tight end. Out of all of their tight ends on their team, they had a 25% target share. And I think a lot of that is going to just shift directly to Cole Komet. I don't even think you're going to be including these other guys on the team like Ryan Griffin and James, you know, some of these other tight ends that are on the roster. I think it's yeah, just no going to go all to Cole Komet this year. And you already said he's got the, uh, the athletic profile and the size-speed combination to really make an impact on that really lacking Bears team. Someone's got to step up. Someone's got to step up, you know. I mean, was he? uh, You know, college much better than me. He was a Notre Dame product, no? Uh, I don't know, actually, off the top of my head. Was he? Okay, I thought he was Notre Dame, and if he was, I mean, you might be right. Those guys, Notre Dame, they they produce good tight ends. They do. Uh, That can't be argued. Why not? uh, Why don't you look that one up? I'm going to switch over. Right, you have any more on Komet besides looking up his alma mater? Or we no, he's a Notre Dame guy. He's a Notre Dame guy. That's a plus. That's a soft plus in my book. That's uh, I like that. I, I, I do like have that. one more thing about Komet, though, because if he if he if he's on the path that he was last year, 
I think that he can go over eight, like almost 900 yards, and maybe he'll grab like five or six touchdowns. I think that that would be good enough to really be like a top seven tight end in the NFL. And oh, I think yeah. that's crazy. If you can, if he can get to six, if he, five yeah, or exactly. six, I mean, wow, that would be that'd be big. It would. It'd be crazy. It'd be a really big breakout because, like you said, he's super inexpensive right now. I see. I see people on Twitter all over Twitter just saying, "Just take Cole Komet in best ball. Don't waste any. Don't waste any picks on a tight end early. Just take Cole Komet in best ball." You know. So it's like people are are high on him as well, and I think that I think that there's there's good reason for it because we saw him him work a little bit last year, and I think he's going to keep on improving. Yeah, we certainly did. We certainly did. So stock down. You think we got the same guy? Uh, possibly. I got Byron Hingle Pringle. <laughs> okay, we got a different guy. Why don't you talk to us about uh, once you pop the fun can stop? You know, he's he's tough to even project, but this is what I was going to say. The only thing that I could say is that Velas to Venus. I think that Velas Jones love the is going to actually... Venus tagline. Dude, I think that Velas to Venus is going to actually step in and be an absolute monster on that team. Whatever you know a monster that. looks like on the Bears roster, I think that's what Bealus is going to be like. You know, I got to come clean. There's at least once per day, <laughs> I whisper that under my breath to myself. I could be driving <laughs> in the car. I could be descending the stairs. I could be, you know, ripping out some curls. And I just, I just give myself a little Velas to Venus. Go watch Velas Jones's college <laughs> football tape. It's actually incredible. He he really like I hate using the Debo reference, but if you actually watch him and what he does on that football field, he is very much Debo esque. Where he's like a big guy. He, he's not a huge guy, but he's like a big, athletic, versatile, fast, elusive wide receiver. And I think that people are sleeping on him because of his age. They just make fun of him all over the place, saying he's like 55 years old. He's in the same draft class as as some random guy like Steve Largent. You know, like it, it's crazy. So I, see, I love the underdog story. I love the age 25 breakout. I love that he played ball at Tennessee, where there's not a lot of competition. He had to change schools before he even broke out. But I mean, he got third. He got day two draft capital. Man, he was a he was a third round pick. So. NFL people who are a lot smarter than Twitter people, or at least one team believed in them. So exactly, I don't know. Do I think he's gonna pop? No, but I I love the story. I love the underdog story. So so Velas to Venus and and Pringle can just crumple up and yeah, get tossed well, yeah. Office. I mean I mean Pringle's also got a child endangerment charge going against him right now. So it's like how do you even how do you even say that he's a riser when he's doing yeah. all this dumb stuff in the off season? Let's We're just not rooting let's for just, him. Yeah, let's just plug Velas in there. <laughs> yeah, Pringle. So Pringles, you got that, and then you got David Moore got arrested on uh, Monday this past week. So who who they signed uh, this off season? So the wide receiver room is already just crumbling, and, and Velas just keeps rising. Yeah, <laughs> too early to put got? as a riser though. Too early to put a rookie as a riser. But all right, stock down. Uh, the guy throwing the ball, Justin Fields. I mean, the same reason that. Komet is up, I think you need to look at it and say, well, that's the exact reason Fields is down. Regurgitate the argument for Komet. To have a tight end of Komet's caliber, who isn't that high yet, and, and the fantasy community doesn't regard him very highly, he scored zero touchdowns last year, and he's your number two passing game weapon? 
I mean, that's not great for a quarterback that the fantasy community was hoping to see ascending at this point. You know, okay, he took his lumps as rookies and he's supposed to be ascending. Let's surround this guy with weapons. The opposite has happened. I mean, Mooney doesn't profile as your typical wide receiver one. But bottom line, this offense is short of pass game weapons. And he's a quarterback. He needs pass game weapons. I mean, Fields' rookie season was abysmal. It was anything but easy. The guy fielded a negative three touchdown to interception ratio. The guy threw seven touchdowns against 10 picks over 11 games, Turtle. He sported a measly 26.4 quarterback rating. That was good for 31st overall in the league, only one QB lower. Uh, Sam Darnold, uh, things don't appear to be getting easier for him in year two. He's a sacrificial lamb, it feels like. Are they going to be the number one or number two pick? Is he going to be out of a job as early as next season? I mean, I'd hate to see it. I wouldn't put money on it just yet. But if they're, you know, 10 games into the season and they're a one or two win team and he just is not improving whatsoever, I can't hold it against them because they've done absolutely nothing to help him out. But I mean, from a dynasty perspective, being pragmatic, looking one year into the future, I think his value is down versus what it is expected to be today. So therefore, to me, Justin Fields is my Chicago Bears dynasty stock down faller. I like that. I think the one the one counterpoint I can make about Fields is that his athleticism can carry him pretty far. So I think that he'll continue to get opportunities because he's an absolute beast when it comes to running the ball so hopefully they get him out in more space this year and they let him do his thing on the ground because i think that that's where he can really make a make an impact yeah all right well point well taken all right so we're down to the detroit lions and the minnesota vikings who do you want to hit up next uh let's go stock up lions okay stock up lions who you got i am going with none other than an already extremely touted running back in the dynasty community, and that is DeAndre Swift. Wow. You want to know why, though? I really do. Because he was hurt last year, first off, right? He, he got hurt for a few games. And when he was on the field, we saw what he can do. We, could, we saw what his upside is. We saw that when he gets out in space, he is an absolute monster. In 2021, he was on pace for 1,398 yards with nine touchdowns and 81 catches before he got injured. And that kept him out for four games. That pace would have made him a top five running back overall if he kept that pace. Obviously, he didn't, but he still had a great season. I think that Swift is just an extremely electric player. And I think now that the Lions upgraded their skill position players, with their draft pick of Jameis Williams, who I know isn't going to be playing right off the bat. Hawk is finally going to be healthy. And then they got Shark now. And then they also got Sun God, Amon Ross St. Brown. So I think that this, this is going to actually open up more lanes for DeAndre Swift to get out in space and do his thing. We know he's not going to be that traditional through the tackles type player, but he's going to be that same type of player that we were speaking about earlier in the show almost like an Aaron Jones type player, almost like a Alvin Kamara type player. And I just he, think that he needs I, to be because his running is, is a, his running. I, I agree with you, but I agree with you on that, that through the tackles running is not great. And, and I don't think that that's what they are trying to make him be. They want him to be the pass 
catching back. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that he leads the NFL this year and catches out of the backfield. And I think that that's really going to shoot him up the, 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 uh, the boards. And right, it should. Let, me, let me give you a question. DeAndre Swift, this is, this is your dynasty team. You're drafting. Yep. DeAndre Swift or Brees Hall? I got a really soft spot for Brees Hall, but it's also because it's the unknown. I haven't seen anything that he can do. I don't think that Brees Hall is going to be getting the uh, passing down work right off the bat in that league because on that team because we saw what Michael Carter can do, and I, I don't think Michael Carter is the answer to that, but I just don't think that they're going to unleash Brees right away. <sighs> That's such a tough question because they're two completely different players. It depend. It would depend on my team construct. That's what I would say. If I had already like a guy like uh, Christian McCaffrey on my team, then I would probably go for the more traditional running back in Brees Hall. If I didn't have, if I had a guy like uh, who's a more traditional Nick Chubb, if I had Nick Chubb as my RB one, I would go with a guy like Swift because then Swift, I think, becomes your RB one anyways. Okay. All right, so you got it. You got them all in the same range, though. If it's tough, you got the McCaffrey, the Swift, the the Brees Hall. At least from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, and now Etienne too. Etienne too, I think, is in that same category now. I mean, we haven't seen him play, so there's a lot of unknown there. But I think Etienne would be much, much lower than he'd be after all the Mixins and all the Eckler. Yeah, he's lower, but he's that same type of player. Is what I'm saying. He's that same type of player where he's just going to be catching a whole lot of passes out of the backfield. All right, for me. I have Amon Ra St. Brown as my stock up. Really? He is coming off the board in Dynasty Startups as the wide receiver 32, number 70 overall. I mean, to me, I look at that and I'm like, that's much too low. Amon Ra St. Brown is not a mid to late wide receiver three. He is, I think, his floor, or I shouldn't say his floor, his average performance would probably keep him in the somewhere around the low wide receiver two range, in my opinion. So he's his ADP feels lower than what his average finish would be. I won't okay. say it's ceiling or floor. So, so right off the bat, I kind of like that. Despite not coming in, um, I'm sorry, despite not coming on really from a performance perspective until the final six games of 2021, when you look at his end of season stats, he still paced the team with 119 targets 90 receptions. The receptions were good for 15th overall in the NFL. I mean, that ain't too shabby, Turtle, for a rookie. In a day three selection, no less. Day three selection, the guy went in the fourth round. We're talking his rookie season. He, he, He accumulated 119 targets in a Detroit Lions offense. I mean, I like that. Over those six games... As we know, as the season winded down in those six, those last six games, Brown won people championships, both on the ground and traditionally through the air as the wide receiver. When I was reading some of the stuff in the offseason about, about Amon Ra, he credited his, and I've hit on this in an earlier pod, he credited his late season success with tight end coach Ben Johnson. What I liked this offseason was Ben Johnson was promoted to offensive coordinator. So the guy who is responsible, at least from Amon Ra's perspective, to his breakout was promoted to the offensive coordinator and is going to be is going to be the key cog in this offense, at least from my perspective. A- aside from, yeah, of course, DeAndre Swift. But Jamison Williams is aside from OBJ, the latest ACL tear that occurred in the NFL was Jamison Williams. He's not going to be around. I'm looking for 
the good times to continue to roll for for the sun god in 2022 uh and i think that adp is 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 way too low i think people are sleeping on him a bit yeah i respect that and the thing about it is i i actually have amon ross st brown as my stock down and and i will tell you why the lions drafting jameson williams speaks for itself that's one thing in itself right the second thing is if you really look at the game logs from last year the time where Amon Ross St. Brown blew up was when Hawkinson wasn't on the field and was for a majority of when Swift wasn't on the field. So for that reason, it really kind of does scare me because I'm just worried that those stats were inflated due to they having nobody on the field to, you know, make plays. And he was a great playmaker. I like Amon Ross St. Brown as a, as a wide receiver. Um, I think he's going to be a good, great, like, I think it'll be a good slot wide receiver in the NFL for years to come. But I think that them bringing in Jameson Williams, who's a more of a traditional X wide receiver is going to end up hurting him in the long term, just because look at, look at what they spent on Jameson Williams. And he's one of the most uh, highly touted prospects in this year's draft. I mean, I know he's got the ACL in, but the Amon Ra St. Brown just scares me for a lot as a long-term play in dynasty, just because I don't know if he was dominating just because he was the only guy in the field or if he was dominating because he's one of the best athletes on the field. And that's the question that I have to ask myself before I put in too much stock into him. But I guess we'll find out this year. We'll see if it was a fluke or if he's going to be that top dog scoring 20-plus points a game because that's what he did at the end of the season. He was scoring at will, and it was crazy. It so was, you got to commend him for that. But I just I put that question mark on there as well. Yeah. I like when I look at him, I see the larger picture, and I see the – the inputs that made him what he was are in mm-hmm. positions of prominence. It's not like he's got a new coaching uh, to impress. The biggest uh, potential person that they brought in to compete with him is is hurt. I mean, I'll, I'll, well, let's roll. Let, let's keep it rolling. My stock down was Jamison Williams, and nice. I hate to do this. This is this is hard because his rookie hasn't stepped on the field. So since we haven't had any NFL film on JMO, this is a totally personal take. He's coming off the board in Dynasty Startups as the wide receiver 28. That's the number 64 overall pick. Right away, that's too rich for my blood, number 64. Uh, that, that'd be right at the start of the sixth round you'd have to go. Mm-hmm. I, I'd go Olave over JMO personally. You'd go Olave over JMO. Wow. So, all right. So, let me, let me just hear this real, real quick off the cuff. In Dynasty Startup, I'm going Olave over JMO. So, who are, you going, who are you going? Are you going Garrett Wilson or are you going Jameson Williams? Garrett Wilson. Are you are you going Traylon Burks? Or are you going Jameson Williams? Well, I don't like either. Uh, they were both stocked down for me. I'd go against the grain and I'd go Traylon. Wow. I, I I mean I respect that. I I I think that you know any of those wide receivers can be the success story that we're looking for for hoarding on on hoarding on our dynasty rosters. Yeah. I think a, a lot of those guys are really good talents. So we're going to see what happens. I personally do like Jamison Williams. I think that the uh, ACL thing is going to be a thing of the past, and he'll move on from it, and he's going to prove a lot of people wrong about why the Lions chose him in the draft. Hey, I'd love to have more good NFL players in the NFL, so happy to be proven wrong. But again, personal take, he had to transfer from Ohio State to see the field. He was in a log jam at Ohio State. Couldn't get on the field, had to leave to even see the field. He got to Alabama. That led to a late breakout age. 
Not as late as uh, Vellis Jones, but still late. <laughs> he had an even later ACL injury, as we mentioned. His his rookie season is going to be abridged because of it. Uh, I didn't like that the earlier reports this offseason had the onlookers to his refe- rehab feeling that he wasn't taking the recovery seriously. Um, after he had gotten the proverbial bag, you know, with his guaranteed first-round rookie contract and big signing bonus, he started taking things easy. I mean, it's it's one data point, and I don't want to put too much stock into it, but it's it's not a comforting data point. I mean, my prediction overall is heading into 2023, his street value is going to be lower than what it is now in 2022. And why, to me, that's going to happen is, one, Amon Ra, I think, with him not around to start the season, at least the first six-plus weeks, is going to do well with his new offensive coordinator. Then the rookie's going to come back, and he's going to have to take a few games to get acclimated, work his way into the rotation. It's off the ACL, so they probably ease him in. And then once he is getting on the field, the dynasty community is going to expect him to perform. They're not going to want to take it easy, and I don't think he is built to explode and mesh well with Jared Goff's skill set. First and foremost, I think that's square peg round hole. A deep threat, speed demon, profiling a lot to me from a macro standpoint, like Henry Ruggs, you know, more than Jalen Waddell. If we're comparing Alabama wide receivers, you know, I would say he's more the Henry Ruggs where, where Amon Ra is more the Jalen Waddell in this offense. And I don't see Goff going to the rugs route as much as he goes the waddle route you know if that makes sense this this picture i'm trying to paint for you so when i combine that to to trying to fast forward the dynasty managers one year to 2023 i think they're going to look back at the season and if he had missed the entire season jmo his stock would be right where it is it wouldn't move but i think he's going to come back and i think he's going to struggle and I think he's going to put some disappointing box scores together and they're going to look at it and they're, and they're going to be like, ah, well, he did that. And I'm on Rob Brown just did this. And one profiles as a solid wide receiver two, and one profiles as more of a wide receiver four and five, at least with the data that we have and putting those together. That's why I made the decision I did, but I do respect the points you said, which are very possible. He comes on, he becomes the alpha, what they, what he was drafted to be, and Amon Ra doesn't become that solid wide receiver, too. He becomes more of a, the, the number two in the Lions offense, which is likely a, a three or four in fantasy. And that's the other side of the coin. I like it. I think we're going to see what happens. I, I actually I actually like that Lions team a little bit this year. I, I do. I do, I too. I like having weapons. Goff. I actually like having Goff. He's got a lot of weapons. And I like that You know, the listeners are going to be able to hear two contrasting sides on both Amon Ra and on JMO. I think that's really important for people to hear us not agreeing all the time and hearing two different arguments. Of course. All right, last but not least, we got the Minnesota Vikings. I'll start us off with my stock up. It's the QB20 in Dynasty Startups. It's Captain Kirk Cousins. That is mine as well, Matt. All right, all right. So to me, this guy, he is underrated as they come. But to me, Cousins is so much better a QB than what we, the fantasy community, give him credit for. I mean, last year alone, with the conservative coach, Mike Zimmer, at the helm, Cousins finished ninth in yards, ninth in touchdowns. He tied for the third lowest in interceptions. Now you fast forward to this year, he's paired with possibly the best wide receiver in the NFL. 
He's got a new offensive-minded head coach from the Sean McVay tree in uh, Kevin O'Connell. I expect Cousins to be taking steps forward in all passing categories with Jefferson probably still getting better with the uh, return of Irv Smith from injury with KJ Osborne at, uh, to me, a rising talent as your wide receiver three. I mean, not to mention the solid having Thielen as a wide receiver two. I mean, all the weapons are there and now you have an offensive minded head coach who can kind of put them all together in Kevin O'Connell. I mean, I think captain Kirk has all the weapons he needs to prove those haters wrong in 2022. And then when he stays a QB one in fantasy, we have no choice but to draft him again as they keep the nucleus of the team together in 2023. To me, he is a very safe asset to have on your squad. I agree. I, I honestly can say that I think he's like the best, you know, low end QB one that you could probably have on your roster because of how consistent he is. He I mean, when I looked at those stats, Turtle, my mind went straight to Scott Fishball. With yeah, no, I, me too. 33 me too. touchdowns and five picks and a yeah. high percentage. And now you got an offensive coach. I was like, damn, if this guy can fall into round two and we can get this guy 209, holy moly. Imagine comboing that with, a, with an elite tier, uh, you know, upper tier QB like Herbert. God, yeah, I, I, awesome. I love that idea. I mean, I think, I think Kirk Cousins is going to be phenomenal this year. They're, they already said they're going to be pass first offense. He's finished QB 11 the past two years. And I think that his team just continues to get better and better each year. Um, and he's, con- he's Mr. Consistency when it comes to a, a quarterback that you want on your team. I, I love it. I think that he's great. <laughs> All right. Any, any, anything else that I didn't touch on that you want to hit? I mean, do you, any praise you want to give to one El Jefe? No, like you said, no, literally the first thing I have in my notes is that Kirk Cousins is criminally underrated. That's he literally is. all I said. Criminally. People just so, don't like him. People just don't like him because he doesn't run. Yeah, which I, I mean, I get, but he doesn't need to if he's going to be that, you know, that consistent year in and year out. Yeah. But I'll give you my stock down. You already yeah. said it once, but it, it, it is KJ Osborne. Okay. All right. And the, the, only reason, the only reason is because, I mean, you know, I think he could be a really, like, solid low-end uh, wide receiver three this year. But if Thielen and Justin Jefferson and Irv Smith all stay healthy, I think he's just going to be the odd man out. If there is an injury to any one of those three guys that I just mentioned, I think that K.J. Osborne's value increases drastically. But I just don't see him being uh, a, a weekly you know, play that you feel confident about. I think he's more of a bench bot. He's a he's a great he's a great guy to have on your bench is basically what I'm trying to say. Like I would love to have KJ Osborne on my bench if anything did happen in one of those two other wide receivers. Yeah, or, so you you you're not saying like with any confidence that you could flex that guy unless no. Thielen goes down with his, his yearly injury. Yeah, last year you could have you could have confidently flexed KJ Osborne like majority of the games, but that was because Thielen wasn't on the field. So for that so, reason, I just so think let me Thielen's switch it up. Done. If you're in best ball and you don't get a set of lineup and those injuries happen and then, you know, it sets the best lineup for you, would you say round, I mean, once you get into the double-digit rounds, you find throwing a dart on K.J. Orsborn or are you still down on him? 
Oh, no, he's no. That's what I'm saying. He's a great bench stash because I think that if something does happen to the effect of injury, he's going to be he's going to be a great player. Let me see. I'm actually on underdog right now. He is going. Oh, somebody already drafted him. Wow. I mean, he got drafted draft in about right the 15th round. Yeah. Oh, he got he got drafted 14, uh, 14th round. 14.6 is when he wow. got drafted. Thumbs up for a pod record and live best ball draft. That's some interesting stuff. Well, it's slow draft. It's slow draft. It's slow draft. I don't got to do anything. It's slow draft. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, stock down. My stock down for the Minnesota Vikings. I hate to do it, too, because it's a guy that I like, or I should say used to like. There's some uh, recent reports that kind of make me think he's a bit of a, he's a bad dude, but that's Dalvin Cook. What Dalvin do, Dalvin do now? Uh, he's, got a, he's got a lawsuit hanging over his head that could lead to a suspension, false imprisonment, and uh, beating, up, beating up a woman. These people, man. They're just All killing, right. they're just killing so, girls out here. So RB9, 17 overall in Dynasty startups. I mean, come on, people. What are we doing? This is a 26-year-old running back, and we're taking him RB9, 17 overall? Like, that's crazy to me. Okay. A pure Dynasty stock call, it's easy for me to say Dalvin Cook is heading in the wrong direction. One, when you head into your age 26 season, and you've accumulated exactly 1,200 touches like Dalvin has. For me personally, I like to set the line at 1,500 touches as the falloff point for RBs, which if you project out in a single season between carries and catches, he's going to be right around that, uh, add another 300, and he's going to be right at that 1,500 line this season. I mean, that 1,500 line, it's a mark that he's going to hit in my mind. And if he doesn't, that to me is simply because he was injured, which has become an all too common occurrence for fantasy managers where you've already kind of accepted the fact that the chef is going to at least miss one or more fantasy games. I mean, we're all used to that. I mean, at the, uh, at the end of the day, the bottom line is to me, 2022 is likely going to be Dalvin Cook's swan song. If he's going to have a good year, this is likely going to be one of his last good years. And when you're predicting RB Cliffs, be okay with being a year too early as opposed to a year too late, especially as we talk about when we were talking about Aaron Jones dying on your squad. You don't want to have those assets dying on your squad. To me, 2022 Cliff, that's the year for me for the Cookie Monster. I think 2022 is the Cliff for him. That's crazy. So do you think the cliff for uh, Alvin Kamara is also the same time as Dalvin, or you're saying because he's kind of a through-the-tackles type of player, his, cl- his cliff's going to come a little bit earlier? Exactly, exactly. So for me, it's, it's solely down to the type of, of runner. You know, Alvin, he had a few years where, you know, Ingram and those other guys, uh, Lat Murray and the, and, and the like, were hurt and stuff, and they gave him workload spikes for a few weeks. And you could, you could see he started to get hurt. His knee went, uh, the hammy, he had some issues. But if they keep him going like they normally do, which is mostly as a catcher where you can avoid those big hits, you know, three seconds after you've got the ball or one second after you've gotten the ball, basically what happens to Najee every time he touches the damn ball you're going to have a longer career. 
So Alvin profiles much differently to me than Dalvin and more along the lines Alvin to Aaron Jones, where I think these guys, even though they're 27, I'm not as scared as the cliff coming because they've kind of made the adjustment like that savvy NBA player to say, you know what, I can't get in and dunk with ferocity, but hell, I'm going to develop a hook shot and I'm still going to be able to play longer. I'm going to learn how to pass better. I'm going to learn how to shoot the three and you stick around. To me, that's Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara. Maybe not elite, but contributors. To me, Dalvin profiles more as the guy who, once his running days are over, teams stop calling you to, to, to work for them. So to me, Dalvin Cook down. I don't know. Like I said, I used to have so much love for that guy, but that's fallen off lately too. So it was a bit of an easy call for me. It's interesting because I, I hear people out here saying that there's a possibility that Dalvin finishes as the RB one. I don't buy that at all. I hate that take so yeah, much. I, I, I don't buy it at all. But you know, I think that's the definition of fake news. <laughs> that's fair, and that's a good that's a good point, man. Just fake news all around. Jay's gonna be real upset once uh once Dalvin doesn't be that become that RB one overall that he's praying for. Uh, well, we'll have to see. But uh, turtle. Anything else? Uh, I know you got some travel upcoming this week, so so this coming week the pod's going to be a little tough. Turtle's got some traveling. I've got some traveling uh, away for a wedding this weekend, so it might be a skipped week for the pod. But we're going to get back to you soon, as soon as we can. We're recording this one on Sunday night, July tenth, so we're trying to get this in for for your earbuds. Uh, this coming week, and then hit you up maybe early the week after. We got very exciting divisions that week. We got the AFC West and the NFC West, which are just going to be the teams where you look at those games on the schedule and you're like, shootouts galore, shootouts galore. So it's going to be really fun to talk about those teams, Turtle. We'll end on a high note with those AFC and NFC West teams. But that's kind of the housekeeping, scheduling points, anything from your end. No, Matt, let's just dominate this Scott Fishbowl draft so we can just, you know, enjoy it. (laughs) That goes without saying. Goes without saying. All right, guys, thanks for uh, listening, and we will talk to you soon. See you, Turtle. See you, Matt.